Amen. I'm glad he leads me. Again, we've said this before. Sometimes we, we in our arrogance, our audacity, uh, we'll say, well, who does he think he is that he could lead me? And Lord has a way of humbling us to the point where we can say, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you would take notice of me to even have a plan for me, that you love me enough to have a plan for me. I'm blown away that you would even bother with leading me. Thank you. Help me to follow you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, if you would. 1 Samuel 17. And I, I did forget one announcement. Uh, the, the bookstore is up in this building. They'll be open tonight after the service, and then tomorrow from 2 to 5. So I think there's some snacks and different things in there, and of course the books. But tomorrow from 2 to 5, and then tonight afterwards, and that's up in the, in the gym building. So today is Leap Day. Leap Day happens uh, only once every four years. And I was telling my college class today that they kind of just roll with stuff. They're like, and? I'm like, well, you get a little older and you got to be more excited about stuff because you you presumably have fewer of these days left, you know, to enjoy. So, uh, so how many of you know someone that was born on Leap Day? How many of you know someone? Okay, I, I would have thought maybe there'd be more, but some of you, some of you know. One of our, one of our uh, Harold Teasdale, he grew up at the church here, graduated from our high school and from our Bible college. He pastors in Chicago, Garfield Ridge Baptist Church. Uh, one of his daughters, it's her birthday today. And so I asked my college class today, I said, do you guys know anybody that was born on Leap Day? And Brennan and his sister, two of our college students, they raised their hand and they said, today is our dad's 13th birthday. (laughs) He's been around for 52 years, uh, but today he's finally a teenager. He finally, so you got to watch him. You got to watch those teen years. They, they, <laughs> they, they get rough. So anyway, I was, I was having fun talking to Pastor Potter. But we, we played basketball together back in the day. So he was the athlete, and I was just big enough to be able to, you know, clog up some passing lanes here and there. In fact, I'm not athletic um, but I'm just like, I'm big enough to disrupt the athletic people a little bit. So um, we had, and, and, you, and Pastor Potter, he'll, he'll say, yeah, that makes sense. But when I was in high school and I was on the basketball team, my coach brought my basketball pants um, uh, to my mom and said, I need you to sew his pockets shut. <laughs> He's out there during games with his hands in his pockets you know, just enjoying the game. And so she did. My, the true story, my mom sewed the pockets shut on my basketball pants so that uh, uh, I would have to be <laughs> more involved in the game. So anyway, that, that's fun. So hopefully you found 1 Samuel 17. And uh, we're going to talk about David and Goliath some tonight. But I want to focus on verse 37. If you go 1 Samuel 17, 37. From this, from this verse, tonight I'd like to take a, a look backwards in time 
And then I would look, to, look at the mo that moment in time, and then I'd look, like to look uh, forward in time. But some things, some truths in this verse are true because of, uh, um, because of some things that were true about David. So in verse 37, 1 Samuel uh, 17, 37, it says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So boy, that, that jumped out to me that the paw and then the paw and then the hand. And then he says, the same Lord that delivered me from those paws will deliver me from that hand, that big hand of Goliath's. Uh, that reminded me of a, of a joke that I used to enjoy when I was a kid. They, did, you, you, did you hear about the three-legged dog that came rambling into town and said, I'm looking for the man that shot my paw? <laughs> well, so here we are. But uh, the same Lord... The same Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. So because of past deliverances, he was ready for a future struggle. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, the value of struggle, but the value of the right type of struggle. Sometimes we bring struggles on ourselves that God never intended us to go through. But there's the right type of struggle. And because of the right struggle in David's past, he was ready to go forward with some confidence. The Lord will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So the value of struggle. David had been through some stuff. How many of us can say we fought against lions and bears? But because of his past difficulty and victory... David was ready to face future difficulty with an expectation of success. So the value of struggle, uh, the right kind of struggle. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you be with this time we have, and we thank you for it, and, and thank you for these young people. Lord, you, you care about them deeply, deeply. And I pray, Lord, that they would learn, as, as David did as a young man, to look to you, and that that would be a habit that will never be broken they will continue to look to you for the rest of their lives, Lord. And I pray that even now uh, we would learn some lessons from David and, and learn how to go through past uh, struggle and have some success. And, and because of the success that we can know when we do things right, there can be an expectation of future victory. Because the same Lord that helped David in the past was still on the throne and was big enough to help him in the future. I pray, Lord, that we can enjoy some of that confidence that David knew from having trusted you through the hard times. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, so I want to look at the past with, with David, and, and we'll look at cooperation with authority instead of competition against his authority. So he cooperated with, with his authority, and David faced a lion and a bear while carrying out responsibilities that his father had given to him. So the right kind of struggle comes that while we're obeying our authority, uh, cooperating with our authority, um, uh, struggle comes up, and because we're in the right place doing what we're supposed to do, you can look to the Lord. He can help you all those times of difficulty. We learn valuable lessons that help us as we go forward. But too many are fighting the wrong battles. 
the wrong kind of struggle comes. It's like, ah, I know. I, my life is about struggle. But, but instead of cooperating with the authority, you're competing against the authority. And that's not the kind of struggle that will prepare you for the Goliaths in your future. There's the wrong kind of struggle. And I'd like to encourage you because David was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing. He could look to the Lord and find deliverance. And that readied him to face Goliath. Second, we'll look at uh, uh, the contrast. You're like, what? The lion, bear, I get it. But he's about to go out against a killing machine. Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess there's some, some compare. I see more of a contrast. That, that was so different. This animal that, that scarfs a lamb and runs away is different from Goliath who isn't interested in running away till there's no breath left in David. That's different. I don't see the comparison, but there is a comparison, isn't there? It's like, well, I was ready for that, but this is different. Well, it is different, except it's the same in that God was bigger than the lion and the bear, and he helped him, and God is way bigger than Goliath and can help him again. So we'll look at that. I have to give my points in, in case the rapture happens or something. you know. Um, so, thirdly, I want to look at confidence and courage. Confidence and courage. He spoke boldly for the honor of his Lord, and then he ran toward the enemy and knew some victory. So I want to look at those three things tonight. So first of all, uh, he cooperated with his authority instead of competing against his authority. There's a right type of struggle, and there is a wrong type of struggle. The one, uh, the way of transgressors is hard. We bring difficulty on ourselves that doesn't, that, that difficulty does not prepare us for the uh, Goliaths down the road, but the right type when you're cooperating. Really, it's, it's when you cooperate with the pastors, the parents, the teachers. When you cooperate, really it's God that's trying to build you through that authority. So you're cooperating with, I am letting God do what he wants to do in my life. So I'm ready to face whatever Goliath he has down the road. So listen to David. So at the, uh, verse 15, 1 Samuel 17, verse 15, David went and returned from Saul. So as you know, on the end of 16, David was playing his harp for Saul. An evil spirit would come upon Saul, and, and when, when, when the king had need of him, uh, David would come and play. But then he'd get back. He'd get back and, and, and take care of those sheep. Uh, so he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And Jesse said unto David his son, and, and he was pff, one of those dads that thought that when you had a job for your son to do, he was going to do it. Pff, that's like way not progressive. Uh, those, those ancient Bible. I, I submit to you that that's still the way it ought to be. Dad can say, son, I, I have a job for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to cooperate with the authority that I have in my life because I see it as coming from God. And God's using you to build me to be a giant slayer someday. Jesse said to David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn. That's about 10 gallons worth of, of that parched corn. And these 10 loaves run to the camp of thy brethren. So run. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare. And take their pledge. 
the idea there that if they had need of something, if they said, hey, can I get some provisions from you? Uh, there, I should have some coming and I can pay you back. Figure out how to square things up. Let's jump to verse 20. So David rose up early. So he's like, man, this is important to dad. I'm going to get a head start. I'm going to get up early. Let's say no to sleep. To get up. I'm not going to sleep till my heart's content. I'm going to get up. Get to it. My dad gave me a job. I'm going to count it important. He rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench. Seems to be more, more of like a moat. Uh, probably they had dug a hole, uh, not to hide in, but to stay on this side. So when the enemy came, they'd go down in that hole and you'd have the, the ability of the upper hand a little bit. Um, as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. So as Jesse had commanded him. So it's important, young people, to see the authority in your lives as God is training me. Don't fight with them. Don't play games. Don't compete with the authority God's given you. Cooperate with them. Dr. Batrell, he, he preached for us earlier this week in chapel, and I enjoyed it. He was talking about a, a, a giraffe that beats up on the, the, the mama giraffe beats up on the baby a little bit when it's first born, and, and so he told us a little bit about it. So i like, I have to look that up. So I looked up this this mama giraffe, and, and if, if I understand it correctly, mama giraffes give birth standing up. Think about that for a minute. So there's an eight-foot drop for the new baby giraffe. He hits the ground and thinks, push the dirt over top of me, I'm done. I, the, my, my first introduction into this world, ouch, I'm ready to depart this world. And so just laying there, stunned from this eight-foot drop, so mom kind of nuzzles the baby a little bit, gives it a little bit of love, and then kicks it. And then kicks it again until it finally struggles to its feet. And like, what in the world? Now it's on its feet. Hey, that's an important lesson. But mom isn't done. She goes and kicks it some more until the giraffe's like, what in the world? And then runs away. But those are skills that that giraffe wouldn't, have the energies to learn for itself without some tough love from mom to get to its feet and then to run, to be able to get flee from danger, that tough love. Boy, the, uh, the parents, the, the youth pastors, the people that are going to be, the coaches, praise God for godly coaches. Praise God for godly coaches. Thank you, coaches, for teaching them some struggle. And say, listen, learn, God, this isn't so you can put a stinking basketball through a hoop. This is so you can learn to say no to yourself. And so you can learn some skill and to do, say no to your flesh and yes to, to a coach and, and work as a team and, 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 and uh, turn that into a unity in a church and letting God tell you what he wants you to do and say, well, I want this, but it doesn't matter what I want. I want to do what he wants me to do. Struggle only has value if you're fighting the right battles. He was obedient to his father. He did as he was told. Um, we, were, we were talking about Ephesians 6.1. Uh, 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 not too long ago, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And of course the question comes up, 
so, so when am I not a child? How quickly can I stop obeying? And we kind of said, well, it could be as soon as that is not the main question in your mind. Maybe once you've matured beyond that question, we'll know when you're starting to be less of a child. Boy, uh, I commend David's sense of responsibility. He rose up early. He was going to get right to a task that, his, that it was important to his dad. Now, again, you might say, come on, he's a young man. He wants to see the action. And I do get that. But I believe he was the type of young man, especially the way that he was described in the end of, of chapter 16, uh, all those positive things that somebody in Saul's uh, counsel said, I've seen a son of, of Jesse, and can I just tell you, he's pretty impressive. For us, a lot, well, we, what do we say? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Boy, David got right to it, didn't he? Um, a lot of times it's, well, I, I intend to get to it. Obedience is on my list. And if I work my way down to it, I'll get, oh, no. He made sure, it, this is important to dad. So it's important to me. It's interesting that, uh, that, that he took responsibility for this lamb. And again, the, the lion and the bear, they weren't after David. But by taking responsibility, he turned their attention to him. But the lion and the bear just wanted a lamb to get out of there. Let me get a lamb and flee. But David said, not on my watch. What does the Bible say in verses 34 and 35? David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. So they took it and left. <laughs> they weren't coming after David. They took a lamb and left. And David could have said, well, he didn't get all of them. That's, that's <laughs> good. But he's like, no, dad has given me the job of looking after these sheep. And I'm going to look after every single one I possibly can. He says in verse 35, I went out after him. Wow. And smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, so then it's like, oh, you're going to take my dinner. Okay, well, then you're going to be my dinner. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Boy, David wasn't just there to put in his time, make some excuses. He took his responsibilities seriously. He was told to look after the sheep, and he was going to look after the sheep. He put real energy into the jobs that dad had given him. By the way, he was teased, right? His brother, when he gets here, he's like, with whom didst thou, there in verse 28, right? Verse 28, with whom didst thou leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, you have your responsibilities. You know, he's kind of mocking him. It's like, hey, I, to some people, young people, somebody's going to mock and say, why, why do you take that so seriously? Oh, because it matters to my mom. Because it matters to my dad. And this was even his brother. It could be a brother. Somebody else said, <laughs> why do you take those things so seriously? Because it matters to my parents. And because of that, it matters to me. So he's, he's mocked for taking seriously, with whom did thou leave thy, thy few sheep? Well, I wonder uh, there in Proverbs 22, if this person had David in mind, there in the end of verse 29, Proverbs 22, 29, when, it, when he wrote, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. 
Well, young person, God takes note. When you take very seriously the things that mom and dad want, those right things, you're not hiding things from your Sunday school teacher, your junior church teacher, your, your youth pastors. <laughs> little, little do they know the real me. You're playing the wrong games. And those are the wrong kind of struggles. You won't be ready for the Goliaths in your life. David's dad could have lived a life protecting his son from struggle, but then he would have protected his son from victory as well. Which is no protection at all. To keep struggle, the right kind of struggle, away from our kids is to make sure they aren't ready for life. And then young people, struggle is so important to growing into who God wants you to be. So you're ready to face the Goliaths in your future. Cooperate with the authority in your life. Take your responsibility very seriously. Well, we, we see way too many teenagers fighting with their parents and, and teachers and youth pastors, etc. Boy, you won't be ready for those uh, Goliaths down the road. Secondly, so uh, he was able to say, back then, back then, the Lord allowed me to defeat a lion and a bear. So back then, because of past deliverances, oh, I'm, a, I'm not scared to death about the future. I've been through some stuff, but God was there for me. Boy, that, that, that puts some confidence in that old bank account. So secondly, uh, the contrast, the contrast of these battles. Uh, so, so again, you're like, okay, lion and a bear, sure. That's, that's kind of impressive. Um, but Goliath. A killing machine. <laughs> He's down there like a garbage disposal saying, send stuff down the hatch. And you're like, yeah, right. I'm going to keep far away from... He's like, I'm not, uh-uh. I'm not, I'm not climbing in there. You'll chew me up and spit me Ah, I'm not going... Now, the Bible says the Israelites were sore afraid. Not like, mm, so what do we do? No, they're trembling. They're sore afraid. Horrified. So I don't, I don't know. I, I remember I did some reading a while ago about the size of the bears in that part of the world at that time. I suspect they aren't like the grizzlies that we have over here. I remember taking a trip up to Alaska with our college ensemble and Pastor McGovern there at Anchorage. He graciously loaned us uh, his van so he could travel around. And we were heading north. We were going to drive past uh, um, Denali, and we planned to do a bit of hiking. And, and Pastor McGovern's, McGovern's daughter was part of our group at the time. And, and so he's, he's like, here are the keys to the van, and here is my 45. So I'm like, hmm, thank you. Um, appreciate it. Um, uh, he goes, if you're going to hike in Denali, if a bear comes after you, I want you to, you know, he didn't trust my grab the bear by the, by the, by the chin and smite it with my bare hand skills. So he gave me a modern day sling, which I preferred. Um, and I wish I could tell you that, and boy, was I glad that I had that. But I, I was, I'm also glad that I didn't have uh, need of it for the trip. But I, I don't imagine they were the, the size of, of grizzlies. But, but again, it's big enough to grab a lamb and, and, and run away. And, and, and then we also think of, you know, he, he slew a lion. We're like, oh, okay, how big was this lion? How you? But again, when you think of Samson, 
we all ooh and ah, right? Samson, ho, 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 Samson, what a beast, you know, tore up that lion. And I don't know, do we ooh and ah the same with David? I don't know. I don't know how big they were necessarily, um, but, but that, that, that's, that's, that's impressive. But Goliath, I think that's a completely different story. Now, nowadays, I mean, you, you'll get those, and don't believe them, you'll get those people like, well, giants are big and awkward. And I'm sure he, he, even had, he probably had a hard time just walking around. I mean, just getting, and, and I could take it to the scripture. I believe they had giants in those days that we don't have nowadays. They're gone. And he was not a weakling. It's like, well, you know these tall guys that can barely, you know, and the, the heart has problems getting the blood pumped all over the place. So he was, it was all for show. I don't believe that for a second. I believe he was a, he was a champ. The Bible says he was a champion. A champion of the opposing army. He was a gigantic killing machine. So, uh, boy, uh, there, there he was. And uh, Saul, you know, he gives David a pep talk. And his pep talk was awful. In verse 33... So David's about to go out and face Goliath and, and Saul looks to, looks to David and says, thou art not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And he's, in, in other words, he's like, all right, David, take, take a look at me. Goliath is at the top of his army and you aren't even in the bottom of mine. I don't see it happening. And again, so you wouldn't want Saul to, to do your timeout pep talk. You know, the, we're down by three. You know, Saul come in here, you rally the troops. They're like, the other team, the other team is here and you're here, but, you know, all things are possible with God. No, no it, it's not going to happen. It, I don't know. Uh, you don't want him giving your, your pep talk. All right, so um, Elijah, you ready? I asked Elijah from faith to come and give me a hand. So, um, so I, I have this 100-pound dumbbell, and, and, and I said, I don't want you to throw off your shot. And he said, don't worry, I don't have one. <laughs> so, all right. So, all right, Elijah. You're right-handed, so just, just lift that up and just hold that until you can't anymore, and then you can switch hands. And you just go back and forth as much as you need. And then when they're both tired, you can just hold it with two hands. And then that'll be like Dr. Schreiber style. At the end of the service, we'll come back to this. <laughs> so he graciously agreed to help me with this. And, and I'll explain why he's holding this. A hundred pound dumbbell. In fact, I went up there to, to pick it up and I'm like, I don't want to move that thing. So I got Thomas. I'm like, Thomas, can you get that from up there down to here? And I'm like, and be careful. Don't drop it on your foot. Don't fall down the stairs um, because I'd feel bad. And can you just get up here? Thank you. And so Elijah's helping us with that over there. Okay, so listen to this champion. So 1 Samuel 17, 4 through 9. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. 
So he's at least 9'6", and there's very good chances he's taller than 9'6". Again, Alec and I will watch basketball highlights where these guys barely leave the ground to dunk. But this guy is close to hitting his head on the rim and filled out. And we'll explain how filled out he is. So, verse 5. He had a helmet of brass on his head and was armed with a coat of mail. So I'm just thinking about the coat of mail right now. Listen to this coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Just the coat of mail. We're not talking about the rest of the army. Armor. The, just the coat of mail. So I looked up Dr. Sorensen. He's got a Bible. He's an independent Baptist. has a Bible commentary. And uh, he says this. It is thought that this coat of mail, uh, woven chain or metal scales for body armor, weighed just the coat of mail. Weighed between 100 and 150 pounds. So a coat of mail um, weighing that much, plus 50% possibly, plus 50%, and that's not all of his armor. Verse 6. Don't hurt yourself. All right, verse 6. So that's, that's on the lower end of just this coat of mail. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs. More weight. And a target of brass between his shoulders. And, a, and the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam. And, his, and the spear's head was 600 shekels of iron. So a decent size a sledgehammer. The, the, the metal on a decent size sledgehammer was the head of his spear. And one bearing his shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, Why come ye out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistines and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me. If you need to set that down, set that down. Are you good? Okay. <laughs> if he is able to fight with me and to kill me. Um, by the way, here the enemy is setting the rules. And when did God say that the enemy gets to set the rules? If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. Uh, fair enough. I mean, that seems like a good deal. Except for the fact that you're 10 feet tall and built like a tank. All right. So would you like to be done? You're, you're fine for a little bit? You can make it through my next point. I just have one more. I have 13 subpoints. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, whatever you want to do. Ugh. All right, don't hurt yourself. Okay. All right. So uh, that's Goliath. That's Goliath. And we might say there's no comparison. This giant is a killer aimed at killing David. The, 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 the lion and the bear were dangerous, but they were trying to get away with, with, with a lamb. Uh, but again, what is the comparison? We said it already, right? Th those two stories, those two struggles, there's no similarity. Ah, uh, but there is. The same Lord that helped me with that task that seemed impossible can, and David said, will, help me with this task that seems impossible. What did David say? Let's look at it again, verse 37. David said, moreover, 
The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Notice how David argues for his readiness due to past victories, past deliverances. Sure, this was a different enemy, a graduated enemy, but it doesn't, how, it doesn't matter how high your enemy graduates to, there'll be never a time where he's anything for God. David had learned in the past to look to the Lord. No bear, you know, David didn't say, well, in the past, no bear or lion has ever been able to stand before me. That's not what he says. He says, the Lord that delivered him out of, out of me out of their paw can deliver me out of his hand as well. Spurgeon said this, come then, let us recall the Lord's former loving kindness We could not have hoped to be delivered aforetime by our own strength, yet the Lord delivered us. Will he not again save us? We are sure he will. All right, so my last point is a little shorter. Confidence and courage. And I'm just teasing about the 13 points, sub-points. So he ran toward the enemy and won. David was not motivated by a desire for personal glory but by a zeal for the Lord. And again, young men, young women, we were there. We were there. You, there's, there's that, that uh, I matter, okay? And not enough people seem to recognize that. And that runs through the mind of young men, that runs through the, the mind of young ladies, and we were all there. Why don't more people recognize how much I matter? Just, they just need to wait. They'll see. Let's learn a lesson from David. That wasn't David. David came on the scene and says, Hey, do you hear what he's saying? Why don't more people recognize how much he matters? It bothers me that he's acting like he does. David didn't come on the scene and say, Why don't people recognize how much I matter? He came on the scene and said, Why aren't you all recognizing how much he matters? He needs to be silenced. Listen to what David says in verse 26. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Like, who, 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 who is this giant? Uh, just the... <laughs> The, the killing machine down there that, that's ready to have us for lunch. You mean the little jerk down there that's nothing compared to God? Jump to verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 45, then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, and that is not okay. This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines. Again, he's rewriting the rules, right? He's like, wait a minute. If, if I defeat him, I thought the, no, 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 he, he, you don't get to make the rules. He, today, 
I'm going to defeat you, and the carcasses of the enemy host are going to be delivered up to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He didn't say that all this assembly might know that we have a champion too. He doesn't say that, does he? That everyone will know when this day is over that there is a God in Israel. All right. So the rest of the story, verse 48, it came to pass when the Philistine arose. Sounds like he might have been sitting down. The Philistine arose. Is he just, you know, are they fanning him and eating him, feeding him grapes? I don't know. He, so when the Philistine arose, so he, he gets up, sounds like. Uh, wow, what confidence he has. He's just casually debating, you know, he's just casually there arguing with David. He's like, well, all right, barely worth getting to my feet, but I'll dispatch you. Came and drew nigh to meet David, and David hasted and ran toward the army. <laughs> do you ever find yourself in the middle of a situation, you're like, how do I get myself in these situations? So there's David. Literally, everyone's cowering behind him. <laughs> Everyone is cowering behind him. And David is running. Running. Nobody else is running. Just David running. The Bible says toward the enemy army. And toward, he's just like, oh. And you wonder if in his mind he's like, what are you doing? He's just out there running toward the entire enemy army by himself toward their champion. And again, he's like, okay, he's at the top of their army and I'm, I'm not even at the bottom of ours. He runs to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And that stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine. So he's just standing on the Philistine. Just standing on the Philistine. And took his sword. Where was his sword? He didn't even draw it. He didn't even take David seriously enough to, to draw his sword. He's like, well, he doesn't have a sword. I can take care of him without a sword. I don't know. He never even drew it. Wow, what confidence. Yeah, but where was his confidence based? He didn't even draw his sword. I don't need it. I'm just that amazing. David drew his sword for him. Slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Boy. Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? As David ran to meet his foe, so can we. The Lord has been with us. He is with us. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why do we tremble? Was the past just a dream? Think of the dead lion and bear. Who is this Philistine? True, he is not quite the same as the lion and the bear, but God is the same. 
and his honor is just as much concerned in the one case as in the other. He did not save us from the beasts of the forest simply to let a giant kill us. Let us be of good courage. So the value of struggle. How did God deal with you tonight? I, Elijah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You, you can set it down. You, you did it. Give him a round of applause. But, but Elijah, real quick, do you want to carry that tomorrow while you play? Okay. Um, so Goliath, he's running around with that plus, 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 as he heads into battle. So the, think about that. This guy was no slouch. This guy was no slouch. How did the Lord deal with you tonight? Young person, maybe a little bit of, again, I was there. All of us were there. It's fun to, to kind of compete a little bit, play those games, have those little battles. But that's the wrong kind of struggle. Mature past that all oh, so quickly. God, help me to cooperate with the authority in my life. You, oh God, are using them to do a work in my life. And when I fight against them, I'm just fighting against you. And you and your love are trying to make me ready for the giants down the road. Help me to cooperate. How about battles in your life? Oh, but this battle's no. God is bigger than any struggle you have. Has he helped you in the past? He's the same loving and kind and all-powerful and all-knowing God that wants to help you in the future. And then confidence. Boy, Goliath seemed to have some confidence. So He was so confident, he's like, I guess I'll get up. You're hardly worth even standing up. Never even drew a sword. But he had confidence in the wrong place. David was able to go with confidence in the God of heaven. And we see how that ended up. How did God deal with you tonight?